All right, welcome in. It's another edition of Pregame.com's RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I am your host, AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. Griffin, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, AJ. Uh, it's always nice to hear your voice on Sunday night. That's yeah. That's what we do. Like, who needs family time? We've got each no, other. Nobody. <laughs> we've got we've got each other to discuss things like. Uh, you know, UMBC Princeton coming up this weekend. So here's the deal. And I make that joke because this card that is like the on Sunday, we record for Monday through Thursday's games. And I don't know really why the college basketball gods have frowned on us for the next few days, but they certainly have frowned on us. There is there's nothing good on the slate for the next you know, few days. So we're going to discuss what's there. I, I I don't know how much of it's going to be of interest to you guys. We're going to keep it short, I promise you, and get to the best bets. Um, I wanted to talk about what happened this weekend, and I, I guess we can start with, uh, well, let's, let's start with our best bets, and we go one and one again. I, uh, Murray State, uh, boy, played with the exception of the first five minutes of the first half, or the last five minutes of the first half, pardon me, they played exactly how I expected them to play against this Memphis team. Like, they were either ahead or even with Memphis through the whole game, except for a five-minute span where their offense just did nothing, and Memphis took a, a big lead into halftime, and then in the second half, Murray just boat raced them, and they were the better team. And it, this Memphis team, which w- we will get to, uh, th- their problems continue. Uh, you had sort of some bad luck um, in, in 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 your game. Yeah, you know, um, one. I mean, it's really nice to be on the pod for sure. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, but it is a little bit disappointing when I keep losing like star players or point guards that are very important to a team for like St. Bonaventure. Uh, I ended up actually playing the first half myself, but I uh, gave out the best bet as a full game as we're a full game show. Uh, and ultimately, I think we're we're most worried about 40 minute performances, but uh, pretty tough. I think even first half St. Bonnie's, I think, did a good job to kind of claw their way back into it. Um, but missing one of their best players of a pretty thin rotation uh, was a pretty big, big problem. And, and I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what I saw from, from Connecticut. Um, they've been without their big guy, Sonogo, who's, I think, really how they run their offense completely. Uh, and I think that's going to be a, a really big kind of boost to the rest of their players that surround him to go go to West Virginia, play a really tight game, lose at the buzzer, basically, and then uh, handle a pretty good uh, St. Bonaventure team who are also missing an important player. So um, I think good on Connecticut and something that I, I wanted to see. And I think they're they're looking like more and more serious of, of a threat to Villanova. Well, the pod's still nine and seven on best bets. Uh, so the one and one, we're still we're still hitting over fifty five percent, which is always the goal. Um, some of the other games that went down this week, and I'll, I'll start with one that I had some coin on, unfortunately. Uh, Kentucky, who looked like kind of they were going to do what we thought they would do and just kind of bully ball, take over against Notre Dame. And then they died on the vine in that game. It was a really, it was a really weird, you know, kind of a drop off there at the end. And it, it it's, if you look at the, the, uh, Ken Palm, like the chart where it's like, 
Kentucky, they're, they're gonna they're rolling, they're rolling, they're rolling, and then about halfway through the second half, there's a massive, massive drop off, and they fall into the shitter, and uh, <laughs> and really did nothing for about about four minutes, and they came all the way back, and then in the last two or three minutes, they blew it again. So they just they could not. They could not maintain what they had in the first half. Um, it, it felt like they were, you know, again they they had a a five point lead with eight minutes left, and then they went on like a a, a a three or four minute scoring drought, scored a bucket, and then I think went three or four minutes again. It was just a, a bad finish for Kentucky, who again it's it's made I probably should have you know not been on them because I like I said I hadn't seen them quite enough to to have a real feel for them. But then when I looked at the box score and I saw that Oscar Shibway was 11 of 14 inside, I said, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. So I, I can't necessarily say that I was wrong. What I did say in my handicap of that game was Kentucky's a bad shooting team, so they don't even bother trying to shoot. And they went two of 19 from three. So this was one of the nights that they did try to shoot and it they – I was right. I was so I was half right. They're a bad shooting team, but they did try to keep shooting. So, so what does uh, that what does that tell you about, or or how does that make you adjust your opinion on Kentucky going forward? It, well, it certainly it makes me question why you do that and why why you're shooting so much with a lead. And it, it kind of I don't know. I, I'm so Calipari'd out. I, like I he's he's good at what he does, which is getting really good players to Kentucky. But he's also kind of a dope. Like I just never understand where his head's at, what the game planning is. So I, I Kentucky's kind of a team I think I'm going to sit back on for a little while. I already I have one spot coming up uh, where I'm certain I'm going to fade them because I think there's a dreadful matchup coming for them uh, at the beginning of the year against against LSU. But until then, I think I'm just going to sit back and watch and and see what they do. So. Um, I, I think what it what it just taught me was don't believe that uh, that just because you've got better players with Calipari that he's going to somehow figure out a way to win with them. Yeah, I, I think um, was very surprised because Kentucky looked like they're in control for most, if not all, the game, um, and so that was a big surprise to me. But I think might have uh, been guilty of myself of throwing a little bit too much dirt on the Mike Bray grave because he was probably sitting there saying, "Guys, we're going to force jump shots all day, and we'll see if they can make them." And Notre Dame, Notre Dame won the rebounding battle, which I, I would have never, I would have never guessed. Yeah, I think those uh, that that three point rate two for nineteen certainly is a, a big help. Certainly some some long rebounds in there, but uh, and then I think also just with this Kentucky team, as I, I think I've mentioned earlier on this podcast, is that they're usually a team with really young five stars that are going to grow and mature into much better players, and that's not what they have this year. Yeah, I, I mean Ty Ty Washington, one of like the, the other two, uh, I guess stud freshmen that they brought in, Bryce Hopkins and Damon Collins, but they both played, but they played very very sparingly and i i i don't even i think may have taken like two or three shots they they didn't touch the ball very much when they were on the floor so it's clear that calipari's trusting in the older guys trusting in the transfers uh and he's gonna if those guys are gonna develop it's not gonna be in games like the notre dame game they're gonna develop against uh against high point and and vanderbilt because he's not gonna put them on the floor in big situations so i think that tells you something as well and also that was their first away game. 
and and you know what? That's sort of been a lesson to me too. And I and I I kind of ate shit with uh with Purdue against Rutgers last week. I was really high on that Purdue team and. Uh, Big Ten road games, you're, it's it's a tough place to go, no matter who it is. Rutgers stinks, and P- Purdue went there, and they not only did they not cover, they lose the game outright. And I think that there is something to these teams who, you know, didn't have a a normal experience last season, uh, and then to to go into another kind of abnormal season and then play your first game on the road after playing seven or eight games at home or neutrals. I think it's a, I think it's going to be a challenge for teams. So that's something I'm going to keep an eye out for too, is who are the teams that have been, you know, living on, on home soil and then having to go hit the road. I, that, that may be something I'm looking to, to buck against. I, I think home court advantage might be back and back for real this season. Um, not that it's really something that can ever really be quantified, unfortunately, uh, but teams at home seem to play better, sleeping in their own beds, doing whatever they do the night before uh, helps them to shoot three pointers seems seemingly at better rates. So I'm, I'm also trying to look a little bit closer into that and being a little bit more cautious with the road teams because they're packed environments again uh, with vaccines and all that sort of stuff going through where last year we had a lot of uh, empty crowds. And then let's talk about the other big games from from the weekend. I think we really have to start taking Arizona seriously. And I wanted to bet Arizona as a dog. And they, they they came out, I think, as a minus one and got pushed to minus three. And I said, I, I just can't do that. But I, I didn't have an appetite for Illinois either because I've seen this Arizona team just blossom. And they, they end up covering, uh, albeit barely. Uh, but I think this Arizona team is going to be a real problem going forward. I yeah, I actually did jump on Illinois. Uh, took them uh, as an underdog at home, and were and I, or I guess I was feeling pretty good that they had a few runs in them that were uh, about to take the game away and 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 really put it too far out of Arizona's reach. Uh, but credit the Wildcats. Um, credit their their new coach, uh, former Mark Few assistant Tommy Lloyd, I think is his name, who's come in. And seemed like instilled a fight in them that was maybe gone or maybe was still there with Sean Miller, but with all the other issues in the program um, wasn't really on display. Uh, but they looked really good. Tubelis was a, a really tough matchup for even what I thought were some pretty athletic four men, like stretch fours that Illinois plays. Um, I think ultimately, though, Kofi Coburn was still really, really good. Uh, I think he had 13 and 13 at one point and was really eating whatever he could uh, if they just got him the ball. And I feel like a couple times they just tried to do a little bit more, rely more on three-point shooting, which they, they I think Illinois shot pretty well. Um, so that was not a bad performance by Illinois whatsoever. Uh, it was a bunch of runs kind of going in both directions. But I, I was really impressed by Arizona, and that was a tough environment and a, and a great road win. All right, let's take a look at one more game, and that was Alabama and Houston. And we'll, we'll start with Houston because – we're going to talk about Alabama in, in this week's games, but uh, this was one of the more exciting games that we've had all season, kind of a back and forth. And, you know, I like the, I get the there's some beef for Houston fan who thinks they should have won that game. I, I guess I, I could see it. I just thought it was an incredible game. Uh, and man, that's that's a pretty that's, you talk about feathers in the cap. Alabama going back to back beating Gonzaga and Houston that is impressive. Yeah, I think uh it's it's they're hard to really, you know, 
I feel like Nate Oates' teams, they're, they're really tough to go against because they know what they're doing. They play intelligent basketball. They know um, that what is a good shot, what isn't. Um, I feel like sometimes it's, it's maybe a little bit easier to game plan against what they're doing. But uh, Kelvin Sampson is a great coach. He has an awesome team who are just destroying Alabama with rebounding, uh, specifically offensive rebounding. But even with so many extra chances, Alabama made the big shots when they needed to. I think on a neutral, that's probably a Houston win. And I think I would prefer Houston if they played again in some sort of far-fetched March read match. Um, but awesome. Another awesome game. I mean, this sport always delivers. And uh, I, I nearly pulled the trigger on Houston against the spread, but that would have been quite a nerve-wracking finish. Yeah, pretty pretty wild one for sure. All right. Let's get into this week's games, and let's start with that Alabama team. Uh, they are – we're projecting about a minus three-point favorite on the road at Memphis. What do you think? Uh, I mean, we've been kind of on Memphis that they have been really struggling. I think the pressure's on Penny Hardaway, who's starting to look like he's kind of melting under it, uh, which is never a good sign, especially with Alabama coming into town off of those two – uh, program building victories. I, I think it's a huge, huge step going forward for NATOs to keep the momentum from last season churning along. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out ways to, to be interested in Memphis here because it's going to be a very tough spot for Alabama coming off those two huge, huge wins, uh, emotional ones. I think Gonzaga was more of, of a controlled game for sure because Houston went back and forth. Um, but in terms of X's and O's for this game, um, I just don't really know what to like about Memphis. I mean, <laughs> collapsing and blowing a 14 point lead to Murray state doesn't give me uh, too much faith in them. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And honestly, th this Alabama team that is running so hot right now, like we saw all the problems that I said, Memphis would have had against Murray state. They did. And now they get Alabama, which is almost like a better version of Murray. <laughs> and I like Murray will Murray first force more turnovers and that'll be a big deal. But but now Alabama, they play with this kind of a, a pace. It's it's almost like I don't know how to describe. It. It's like a controlled chaos because you did say at the beginning they know what a good shot is, but they move so fast. And you see, you know, there's bad teams who move really fast, and then they just take the first shot that they see. Alabama moves really fast, and they find good looks. And this Memphis team, if they have to play keep up with a team like Alabama, I, I don't know how they do it. They, they they are just not consistent offensively, and if they are forced to speed up their offense at all, they already turn it over way too much. This is just going to make it worse. I, I'm with you. The, the spot screams Memphis, but there's nothing about them that makes me want to play them right now. Yeah, I think Alabama are going to put a lot of pressure on them um, just to even score with them, unless Alabama has a really poor night, and that's certainly possible uh, coming off in a, a big letdown spot. But ultimately, I think uh, Memphis are going to be sped up uh, seeing what pace Alabama is playing at, and they're probably going to want to do the same thing, and I don't think that they're going to make the same high-level decisions uh, as a Nate Oates coach team compared to a Penny Hardaway team. So um, I'm trying to find ways to find some interest in Memphis, but I feel like they're just uh, almost on the avoid list and really kind of hope to fade list moving forward until they show that some of these young guys have made some some big steps, but also they're a veteran team that seem to keep falling in the same type of traps. All right, let's get on. To, and here you're going you're gonna to start to realize why we're only covering three games instead of four, because the second best game of the week is New Mexico State at Washington State. Ooh. 
and we'll project New Mexico State at about nine. And I don't mean to knock New Mexico State because I'm actually a fan and I, I love their coach. I, like, but if that's the second best game over the next four days, we're in bad shape. And I'll, I'll start on this one. Washington State, like they kind of got a bunch of attention, and we talked about them on the show when they held Arizona State down to 29 points on the road. But they've lost three of their last five games, so it makes me think maybe that's more of an Arizona State problem. They're just not Washington State's just not playing their best ball right now. And then New Mexico State comes in, and they're sort of a poor man's version of the USC team that just won at, at Washington State. And obviously, it was a good game, and I think it was a game that Washington State was really up for. But they've got the the height and the interior scoring that, that gave some problems to Wazoo, and. It just feels like New Mexico State is is starting to turn back into the, the sort of mid-major juggernaut that they were for a while. They've won three state three straight games, all of them on the road, and none of them are gimmies. And just you know, we talked about that Washington State Arizona State game how it was just such a rock fight, and the USC Washington State was too. This is probably going to be a pretty low scoring game. And if New Mexico State's if they're getting eight or nine points, which is what what's projected, I think it's hard for Washington State to get too much separation from a team like this. What are your thoughts? Well, so when you toss these games at me, I mean, I think you saw in my expected line uh, that I was way off what this number was looking like. Um, and I, I feel like Washington State is one of those analytics dream teams because they're uh, in, a, in a similar way to, to kind of the using the math that Nate Oates does it at Alabama. I think Kyle Smith at Washington State is a little bit more on the defensive side of analytics, I think. Um, or maybe he just doesn't have the ability to recruit the offensive talent that Alabama does. Um, but anyway, back to this one. So I actually both bet games with both of these teams on Saturday in the last, uh, which was which was great. Um, that were happened that they happened to play each other this week was pretty clued in on New Mexico State in a really tight game with Loyola Marymount. Uh, you mentioned the three straight road wins, uh, big big rivalry games against UTEP and New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico is also a payback uh, from a, a home loss to New Mexico the, the game before that. So um, I think New Mexico State, I thought that they were um, kind of struggling in the, in the talent department, but um, they played a pretty tough uh, LMU team that plays an inverted offense where they really use a point forward and a, a center on the perimeter. Uh, I don't think that was easy for New Mexico State, but ultimately was, I think, a, a pretty good showing that they can handle kind of a different type of offense. And ultimately in this game, it's going to be how good can the Washington State defense be? Because it was not good enough against a good shooting, sweet shooting South Dakota State team in a loss at the buzzer, uh, but a game that they were trailing, I think, throughout really. and, and and didn't really have the type of um, impact that I think Kyle Smith is looking for. So um, at a plus nine, as, as you're projecting, I see Torvik has a 10. Um, I mean, that's that's very interesting to me to see New Mexico State undervalued to that to that degree, because I, I was pretty impressed with them this weekend. And they had some pretty good performances um, thrashing Davidson in one of those uh, invite tourneys early in the year. Sounds like you you kind of lean the same way I do then, if the number is what we're projecting it. Yeah, I mean, but even if it isn't, I think that I still have enough of a question about Washington State's ability to score the basketball. They seem to me like a, a team that's going to eat up uh, poor offenses and, and really str- kind of uh, silence really poor offenses, 
use their defense to score a lot of baskets in transition. And if they can't get that, which I think New Mexico State is is prominent enough on a mid-major level to, to kind of restrict those, uh, then I think New Mexico State might make it on my card. All right, let's look at oh, – and listen, we're, we're digging deep here. UC Irvine plus 12 at USC. Well, I'm, I'm appreciating you bringing this one because Irvine has been a, a power in the West for sure uh, for years now and also brings in a team that I've talked about a couple times now on, as a future of mine on USC to win the national championship. Uh, I keep waiting for the shoe to drop and, and wondering when USC are going to struggle. Uh, but they're in a great position where they have a ton of length, a ton of size, and it's really hard to score against them. Uh, Irvine has basically been built as a team with like twin towers, two big guys. Uh, they're not as good, I don't think, as they have been in the past. Um, I, I do think that they could give USC some trouble, but I feel like the way to do that is with fast pace or tempo and some good shooting guards, and I just don't know that Irvine have that. Yeah, I, this is a different Irvine team than we've seen the past few years, and the, the size is still there, but what they don't have is anyone finishing around the basket, and somehow they're they're 72nd nationally in height, and they're sub 40% from two. Uh, but they do shoot pretty well from outside. They shoot nearly 40% from outside. The, the problem is they're just not shooting. Like so they they're a team that shoots much better than they than they uh than they get inside and they take a lot more inside shots. It's it's very odd. Um maybe in a game where they're forced to, we'll see them heat up from outside, but that said, USC is is running a really clean offense right now. Uh, they are and they're running away from teams. They're 10 and 0. Only two of their games have been played in single digits. And I, I, I was looking through the, the games that they've played so far, and they had a blowout win over Utah. And Utah is like when you really look at it, like if you compare Utah and Irvine, Utah's just a, a better version of Irvine. And USC kicked the shit out of, of, of Utah. So that makes me think that this one could really get away from them there. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, like you said, Irvine's got enough of a name over the last few years that this isn't the kind of a game that, that USC is going to be sleepy in. So I, I kind of lean to USC blowing the doors off of them. Yeah, I think you, you hit it on the head. Uh, I, I think if I'm looking to back a team to play uh, a USC defense, that's going to make it really tough to score against them. It's got to be a team that I trust. Uh, I'm not sure that Irvine or team that I, that I do trust in this current state, um, even getting double digits, I feel like you need to have some sort of faith in the offense, and I just don't have that. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into the good stuff now, the best bets. And uh, you know what? Let's try to change it up. Let's have Griffin go first uh, on, on the best bets, see if we can change up his mojo. Yeah, you know, I need it. Um, it's been a little bit of a rough ride. I got off to an early early lead, and, and uh, unfortunately, you've taken the reins, and so I'm coming back on you. Um, and it's going to start with a play on South Dakota State. Um, was really impressed with them this weekend. I think they've uh, been getting a ton of respect in the marketplace. They're, they're visiting Missouri State uh, in a pretty good battle of mid-major teams. Um, ultimately, Missouri State, I think, are a team that I actually went, one of the last events I went to was the Arch Madness Tournament in St. Louis and got to see them firsthand. And it seemed to me like a Missouri State team that was building for the future. Uh, fast forward a couple seasons, and I think that they're a, a talented team that have uh, a way they want to play, which is really using their interior uh, Gage Prim inside, trying to kind of trying to feed him and ultimately see what what else they can do around him. As I don't know that they have a ton of shooting, uh, their three point defense has been pretty poor, and that's a really really tough situation to be in against South Dakota State, who can really spread the floor and shoot from all positions. Um, 
I think that we're, so you gave me a, a number of South Dakota state plus three. I think um, from what I'm seeing, anything as an underdog is I think the safest way to, to put this is I'll be looking at them pretty hard and, and likely, uh, I mean, the, the, the higher, the better, and certainly a, a key number like three would be really nice to have. Uh, but I think anywhere you can get South Dakota state as an underdog at Missouri state, um, Probably will be a, a decent venue uh, with a, with a pretty good crowd, uh, but it's it's kind of a sleepwalking type of central right now with a lot of schools going to exam periods and and really about to go on Christmas break. So I feel like South Dakota State on the road are going to be focused for this one, and uh, I really like them to to pull an upset. Man, I, I like South Dakota State a lot, and I was on them earlier this year against Nevada, and they just stomped Nevada, and. I got real excited, and I backed him again the next night against Washington, who Washington at the time couldn't beat anybody, and they just got drubbed by Washington. And I was like, what the hell? And then they, I guess it was last week, they lost to Idaho, and it wasn't like they lost on a last-second shot. I mean, they got drubbed by Idaho, who's like outside the top three 325 in Kim Palm. I don't have it in front of me. They're, they're dreadful. And they just they just destroyed them. And then they followed up the next night and beat Washington State outright, or the next, I guess, their next game. So I, I, they're a really confusing team for me. I've seen them beat some good teams. I saw them play with Alabama for a good while before Alabama kind of turned it up and, and ran away from them. But uh, this is a really confusing team for me. So I think I'm kind of just wait and see on them. I think that they're good. I think, I, I think again, they're probably the, the class of the summit, but I, I just, they're, they're very volatile, I guess is the right word for them. I've, I, you know, I've seen them look really good against some good teams and I've seen them really struggle against some dogs. Yeah. I think it's, it's really about, uh, how their defense plays and really what they can do. I think, um, there are some pretty ugly points for possession uh, numbers here uh, on their season so far. And I imagine that's something that they're focused on, but unfortunately I don't know that their personnel is really built to t- do too much about that um, in like a single game span. Uh, I think it's really going to be about how well they shoot. And I think they're going to be able to exploit some mismatches in Missouri state's defense. And and I bet against Missouri state um, ye- yesterday, I guess uh, with Oral Roberts, which was a gross beat. Yeah. Uh, Oral Roberts down seven as plus eight dogs foul with two seconds left. They cut the lead. They hit a three to cut it from 10 to seven. And then they foul with two seconds left. Why? You, you what, think you're there. And... What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But what uh, they are, and I, you know, the reason why I backed Oral Roberts there was Missouri State's a bad three point defense. Like they do not defend the line well. And I said, oh, well, Oral Roberts is going to have theirs. And then in that game, Oral Roberts just shot really uncharacteristically poorly. Uh, they were 7 of 26 in the game. Uh, Max Aismas was 5 of 12, but I think he was like 0 for 6 in the first half. So, and and no, nobody else was good. So of their, of their seven threes made, he made five of them. So just a really off night. And no excuse because Missouri State's a team that usually shoots it pretty well too, and they were four of twenty-one. So they, I mean, it was just a bad shooting night for both teams. But if you know, it, it's it's not the kind of team it, it, like you don't want to be a bad three-point shooting defense against South Dakota State. So unless they have the same, and again, watching that Oral Roberts game, it's not like they were you know they had hands in the face. It was guys just missing missing shots. Uh, so if South Dakota State can get the kind of clean looks that Oral Roberts was unable to knock down. 
I think I, I think I like your side here. So uh, that's the way I would be looking as well. All right. Well, then hold on before you jump in. I think we got to at least say that you've you've got four in a row, right? Going for five. Yeah, going for five, five straight on the pod, five straight best bet winners. Let's uh, let's try and get it there. And I'll go with Chattanooga plus eight is the projection at Belmont on Wednesday. And this really kind of just boils down to Chattanooga being a really hard team to blow out. And first of all, they are a they're they're a snail. I mean, they are three fifty six in adjusted tempo. I mean, they it's it's about as slow as you can get. And they're fifty fourth in offensive efficiency and third in offensive rebounding. So when you're that slow and you get extended possessions and multi, like extra possessions off offensive glass, you're you're tough to deal with. And you're you're at least tough to, like I said, run away from. And Belmont's good. This isn't like the the Belmont teams of four or five years ago where like they're they're probably gonna win a first round game. I, I don't really see that. Uh but even the loss against Charleston and Charleston's the fastest team in the country. The final of the, the Chattanooga-Charleston game was 68-66. So you're talking about they, they were able to slow that team down to a 68-66 game. Uh, they, like I said, they're a top 100 team from three, but most of their offense runs through their big guy, Silvio D'Souza, and that gives them a couple a couple things to attack against Belmont, where Belmont's weak, which is paint defense and rebounding. And maybe also more importantly, gives them a body to match up with Musinski, which is key to hanging with Belmont. If he just has his way down low, then you're probably in trouble. But I've I've cashed with the mocks a couple times playing this dirty, gritty bully ball. Uh, so I'm going to take another swing here with Chattanooga projected plus eight. Uh, and we may even get a bigger number because Belmont's more of a public team. So uh, I, I like Chattanooga plus eight for my best bet at Belmont on Wednesday. Yeah, I might have made my list if I hadn't known you already taken it. Um, I, I like Chattanooga a lot. I think DeSosa was like really plagued by the NCAA investigation when he was at Kansas. Um, he's a, a talent that I think is going to be a big, big problem for Musinski. And uh, in betting against uh, Belmont last week when their trip to St. Louis, it seemed to me that um, they're really good when Musinski can score and uh, that's going to be a big problem. And when he doesn't score efficiently, I think that really puts a, a big strain on the Belmont offense and they're going to have to cover a pretty big spread to, uh, to beat you. So I like it there. I hope that uh, we can get two more winners for the pod this week. Yeah. For, to, to kind of make your point when they played LSU, Belmont played LSU and Mazinski was one of four from the field, um, which is it's the, the fact that he took only four shots is kind of mind blowing. Uh, Belmont lost by thirty. So, <laughs> and not that not that Chattanooga is LSU. In fact, they're very, very, very different teams. But but your point is is correct that if if they can't get Mazinski going, then they they have a hard time figuring anything else out. All right, so that'll do it for another episode. Uh, hopefully, we—I'm looking for a two and zero this week. I feel it. 
get some separation from that uh, that 500 line and uh, and get this thing cranked up. Griffin, appreciate it, man. Uh, Brad, good job back there. Thanks to all of you for listening. Tell your friends. Subscribe. We've got college football pods. We've got college basketball pods. We've got NFL pods. We've got golf pods. We're starting up an NBA pod this week. So uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Check it out. And, uh, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you.